All right, welcome to Healing the City podcast with the elder pastors. This is Try Two. Uh, we were really funny in Try One, but no recording was happening, so we won't tell you about the shame-driven church um, or any of those funny jokes. But across from me, who is Pastor Eric Seepin, is Mark Crawford, pastor of the village. Yes. He's one-third pastor of the village. Yes. And then we have Rod Hugan, who's one-third pastor of the more, village. Probably more like two-thirds. Yeah, he's yeah. going two-thirds. And Eric, apparently, <laughs> is just the extras. <laughs> and that's me. So anyway, we are in the series uh, talking about what it looks like to be a leader, and then we're starting up pretty soon on what it looks like to be the community of God together. And it seems that through the Holy Spirit, he's brought us to talk about shame, Mm -hmm. and in particular in regards uh, to what it, how it impacts us as leaders and the way it shapes who we are and influences the way we lead. Yep. And so one of the things we talked about kind of introducing the whole thing was that when you get people together and they are forming the community of God, they have to do three things. One is... They have to make interesting noises by talking to one another. (laughs) Two. (laughs) I told you I had a cold. (laughs) And when they all get together, they are creative, right? Because you create things. And then three was moving around. There's movement. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing all these in a healthy way, moving and creating and talking, you form a very vulnerable community that worships God. Um. Anyway, that was kind of our introduction of all of it because we wanted to talk about vulnerability as a leader and as people of God and how that shapes us. So, and you guys can take it away from there and just maybe we could just talk a little bit about how shame has impacted your leadership, what you kind of bring to the table, um, and like what you hear, what you, how it influences the way you interact with people. Um, we'll just get real vulnerable here and let people know what what's going on, and then we won't post it. <laughs> I think um, shame is really huge in my life with respect to ministry. Um, I came kind of mid-career, and so you get all this um, feedback, pushback, when you decide you want to go plant a church. Like, why should you do it? You haven't been to seminary. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. And even though there were a whole bunch of people really supportive of it and saying, you should do this and you're called by God to do this, the voice that you hear is the satanic voice, Satan's voice of saying, no, you don't have anything. You can't offer anything. You can't do this. And it's, but then that's really true. Like, you can't. And so um, outside of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you are incapable of doing anything. So I think moving to Tucson from Phoenix to plant the church and then floundering for quite a while and not doing it well, then meeting you, Eric, um, and then much later on, Mark, um, we find, I find that, that idea that, um, people had expectations of me as a leader that I couldn't fulfill that brought shame. There were expectations that I placed on myself 
that I couldn't fulfill that brought on shame. And there were certainly, um, I think, expectations of the people that gathered around me to see me in a certain way that I couldn't conform to or couldn't be. And so all those are opportunities for shame to have a huge place. Sure, sure. Yeah. How about you, Mark? Um, you know, I, I'm i the fourth of five children, and my three older siblings um, who came before me were all very successful in a lot of different ways. And I think that that impacts me a lot, especially I remember early on after leaving home, I had a conversation with a leader, and the, we spent about an hour, hour and a half talking and 90% of the conversation was around how successful my older siblings were and what it was like to be their sibling. Um, and so I, I think, especially in the last 10 years, um, and even really since becoming an elder at the village, a lot of my understanding of myself and the way that I lead has been around what do I have to offer? Like, do I have anything to offer? Because I am not, because I am quote unquote, not as successful as my siblings or whatever else. Um, so it's really even only in the last like year or so that I've stepped into saying like, no, I am a good musician and I am a good songwriter and I am, I am a good preacher and stuff like that, that has offered me space to, I think speak more powerfully. Um, but then I still go back and forth. I had a conversation just like last week with my wife about how I feel like I'm not a good songwriter. <laughs> sure. Or no one, no one should listen to my music and stuff like that. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like shame, it, it dictates so much. Uh, I mean, as I was processing through this, I was thinking about how, you know, at every level that I live life, I think, I'm not doing enough that everybody will see that I'm not doing enough. So if something doesn't go right, it's not necessarily Mark's fault or Rod's fault or some other person's fault or nobody's fault. It's always, I didn't do enough. If I had done enough, Mm. met with the person enough, was here early enough, you know, did whatever it is, X, Y, and Z, then, then God would bless, um, because so I, I think, you know, a lot of our shame can be boiled down to our sense of not being adequate, not being what what is needed or what people might appreciate or value. Um, yeah, I, I think those those two ideas are kind of the idea of I, I did not do enough, so it was not successful. And then the other side of that is I can't do enough. Right. Like I'm not capable of doing right. the right thing. Right. And they both, they're, they're both sort of opposite sides of shame, but they, they meet at the same place yes. in, in, in saying like, I am not enough. Right. And then the problem of what is success, right? right? Like, how do you measure? What are we actually measuring? Like, I think that's always the issue too. Um, back in the day of the church growth movement, you had to have 200 people in three years or you were considered a failure. And mm-hmm. it's like... Wow. Um, right. Then. So <laughs> certainly there are external things that will help 
accentuate the fact that you are not succeeding. I, I don't have enough. And You're I not enough. Succeed, yeah, right. it's, that's yeah. definitely part of our culture. And I, I think our culture kind of continues to tell us that there's this image, there's this thing that we're to be accomplishing to be valuable. And at, at, at so many different levels. Um, so I, I wonder, maybe we could take it down a, a notch and just say, on a Sunday... When you walk into the village and you interact with people or when you interact with people outside of the village, how does your shame impact the way you talk to them or engage with them? I think there's a certain amount of... there. There's like a, a measurement against the other person. Like, am I... Like what? What does this person perceive of me, and are they going to receive what I have to say? Um, whether that's, you know, I think X team is going to win the Super Bowl, like, or, you know, you should change this thing in your life because it's causing damage to you and the people around you. Like, I, there's a there's a, almost a measurement of like, you know, what is your and there, there's like there's there's boxes to tick like what what what's your education level. You know, what, you know, are you, are you, do you have like a successful job? Are, are you in a stable marriage? What are your relationships like? How do you engage with me? And that, that's all that happens. And it's something that I am constantly, because it's not about the other person. It's about, it's, it's a measurement against me. Like, am I, Am I enough to like speak into your life, and am I going to have impact on you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Age also. Age is the other one. Right, and I think. Um, Are you older than me? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think um, body image stuff too. Right, like I walk into a room, and we're going to sit down, and I'm a big, huge guy, and way, way too much, and. So I'm going to go sit on some chair that looks pretty fragile, and I'm pretty scared of that. And so all of a sudden, it's all about me finding the right place, the right way to be comfortable. Can I fit in this restaurant booth or whatever? So when you walk in, you're immediately aware of that, and then that's uh, distracting from what that person is all about and why they're there and and whatever your you know the purpose Mm -hmm. of greeting. So on Sunday. And I remember when I, there used to be a red chair that I would sit in and somebody said, oh, that's Rod's chair. Well, it wasn't. We don't have assigned chairs, but it was a chair that I fit in and it had high arms. So it was easy for me to get in and out of. And, um, but I felt a wave of shame every time somebody would say that's Rod's chair Mm. because it wasn't. And I didn't care if somebody else sat in it. I was just, it was a sturdy chair and I could be comfortable in it. So I think, but all of a sudden then it's all about me and my comfort and it has nothing to do with the person I'm talking to. Right. Yeah. It just keeps me from disconnecting, from connecting to the other person. It keeps me disconnected Sure. because it's instead of focusing on what the other person is saying and what God's saying and what I'm called to offer as a leader, it's, you know, what, what am I, am I enough? Am I okay? Am I sure? How is my, where, where are my anxiety levels right now? Like how much do I want to run away and just sit in the corner and play my guitar and not talk to anybody? Right. right. And it is fun when there's a visiting pastor. Cause that's kind of the thing. Like, 
are they judging my church? What are they thinking about my church? What right. do they think about my sermons or, or when there's Eric's new, sermon new people. Or, or music or whatever? But yeah. I think particularly it becomes like these are my peers in some way, and sure. so what do they think? Mm-hmm. And then, and then I, you're so suddenly more concerned about that. Um, there's a there's a little wave of you know, because then you know it's not it's not enough and it's not good enough and it's not perfect and it's not the way I imagine that they imagine it should be, <laughs> so, right. which is just all kinds of broken communication. In that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think like one of the ways that it's impacted me or it does impact me on a daily basis. I can give you just like a, a real life example. It's at the dinner table last night. Well, I should preface it with the fact that I really enjoyed the Super Bowl party. You know, I thought there were like 90 to 100 people there. It was, there are a lot of people there. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And people just talked and talked and talked about what God was doing. And I was like, really like, wow, God is doing stuff. And I'm part of this. And this is really cool. And then at the dinner table, Ashton says, gosh, that was like a really small Super Bowl party. Like, what was going on? Like, there was like nobody there. (laughs) (laughs) And... I was like, what are you talking about? And like, you know, moved from, wow, God had really moved in this just great example of what God has done to you misunderstood, Eric, what was really happening. Your experience was isolated. You obviously don't know what you are doing because your own daughter can't even see what God's doing. You know, and because... So you didn't do you didn't do enough to make this work. You didn't you know you weren't right. It, it just like you and it, it, you feel it in your body, right? Because shame is something you experience physically a lot of times, and so you're just like, and then you just react. And so I reacted by fighting, and and eventually we all kind of processed it out. And I apologize, but there it is. I mean that's shame right there. Like that's how it plays itself out. Is you, um you don't know when it's going to come to the door and, and remind you. And, and it, that's how it impacts me anyway. Um, yeah. So anybody have any like last minute thoughts on, on shame? Any things last you want to say before we, I think the one thing that's really stood out to me, even as we've, we've been reading the, this book along kind of alongside this, in, the, the, in soul the soul of shame, of shame by Kurt Thompson. I think like when he talks about like the interpersonal dynamics mm-hmm. of like that's the shame shame shuts down our interpersonal mm-hmm. connections like that there's a, a a function of the brain that is like a shared space mm-hmm. um, and just thinking about that in terms of like my own connection with God and my capacity to connect with God and how much shame impacts that and yeah. shuts that down has been. Thinking about that the last couple of weeks, especially, has been really, um, really significant. I've been chewing on that a lot. I think the other thing is the universal, the universality of shame, right? So yeah. while I'm sitting in my shame, the person I'm talking to and communicating with is sitting in their shame, and so you have two shame-filled creatures communicating with one another, um, being afraid to be seen, wanting to be seen afraid to be known, wanting to be known. So that dynamic is in every conversation right. and in every mm-hmm. interaction. That's so like a complete opposite of the garden. 
Right. Yeah. They were yes. naked and felt no shame. Yep. Right. Yep. Well, thanks, guys. This was fun. Hopefully, we'll try to do this more on the Healing the City podcast, and we'll try to just talk about different subjects that we're thinking about. Um, this has been a really good series. It has been a very good series. I've really enjoyed and it. You should listen to the sermons over and over again. Yeah. So, thanks, except, guys. Except for the bad ones that we wrote. <laughs> no, that was, that's, <laughs> well, that's a the shame. same thing, right? <laughs> All right. You've been listening to Healing the City podcast with Eric Seepin. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.